This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. It is the first postseason conversation with the one and only John Forslund, the voice of the Hurricanes, uh, and... Man, it's taken me a while, John, to decompress from everything that we experienced, especially as we get as we got into 2019. And I would even argue uh, that it really began in earnest around March when it became not only possible, but obvious is not the right word, uh, but likely that this team was going to figure out a way to get into the postseason just changed it changed everything i'm drained i'm still drained <laughs> me too <laughs> i mean i really am it, i mean it's it's it is exhausting and and people are like wow listen to these two guys but when you get uh, emotionally involved in this maybe the fans feel it too i'm sure they do i mm-hmm. mean that's one thing about uh the 06 run that i remember is is people were exhausted mentally just being fans, just doing their routines. If they had superstitions, carrying those superstitions out, the fact that they had to basically tailgate every other day for about two months <laughs> and, um, you know, endure the ups and downs of a highly emotional sport. So uh, it's draining. It's a great way to get drained. It was yeah. a needed <laughs> uh, fix for a big problem here within the market in terms of the attention the Hurricanes were warranted over the years based on their play. Now that's been revived a little bit and it gave us one great story after another to talk about and a lot of anticipation for the next season. I find it uh, enjoyable that you use the phrase had to tailgate. (laughs) Fans had to dig deep to, uh, to tailgate. Look, it was, you know, it's sort of like, I'll use this analogy. It's, it's like when you first start working out again after uh, after a lo- layoff for whatever reason, it takes a while to ramp up. Well, the Hurricanes fans had not had reason to be really excited about hockey in April and May, but they had to get used to it in a hurry. Uh, I think, you know, for the most part, I mean, I think everybody did a great job with it. Remarkable job. There, There was no warming up to it. I think everybody was of the same thought, you know, going into the playoffs. Is it possible? Uh, can they maintain the level? Can they play at the same level they played at since New Year's Eve? Was that possible? And if so, could they could they slay Dragons in, in Washington? Could they move on to a team that just swept Pittsburgh? And, and would that happen? And it did. And then, of course, what happened against Boston is a, a different situation. But... Uh, it was uh, it was great to see the fans uh, that were here before didn't forget the new fans that are here now relished in those moments, and I think the team is young enough and the team has enough individual stories, starting with the coach, mm-hmm. that, that you know you can really latch on to as a fan, and I think that's why this team had a connection. Uh, the team is genuine. I think that added to the connection. And I think the media did a fantastic job, you know, following the team, following their exploits. And as you know, we're in a different world today. Yeah. So there's so many different ways to get that across to the general public. It all fell into one place. 
All right, John, before we get to uh, actual hockey matters, because the the Charlotte Checkers are going after a Calder Cup trophy, uh, have we heard from Hamilton? I'm a little concerned. I haven't seen pictures of Hamilton uh, since the playoffs ended. I I'm just I'm hoping everything's okay. Yeah, I think Hamilton's resting, Dick, of course, and <laughs> yes. and I think yes, not Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton's fine too, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, but I I would expect, and I've heard I've heard some rumors uh, that the 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 pig the Hamilton the pig might find uh, its way down to Charlotte for the Calder Cup final, oh, which would be spectacular. <laughs> all right, we have we all have our concerns. There's been nasty internet rumors. All right, let's get to. Uh, let's get to what we're uh, hopefully going to witness in Charlotte, which will be the first Calder Cup trophy for uh, the Hurricanes affiliate since going way back to the uh, to the Springfield days. You have some familiarity with that. Yeah, it's 1991, and that was the second of two in Springfield. The previous year was with the Islanders and the owner of the team. Uh, decided in, in a secret meeting with the Hartford people after the Calder Cup was handed out in May to switch affiliates, mm-hmm. go to Hartford. And the team in Binghamton set a futility record the year before for the worst record in the history of the American Hockey League, and they inherited most of those players. With a couple of changes in the same coach, they were able to get to the best overall record in the next year in the league and win the playoff <laughs> series and, and win the Calder Cup again. So that was uh, the last time. Uh, so much has changed, but a great story happening in Charlotte. Yeah, and, we, and I think we agree that it, it's significant to build a culture of winning, and mm-hmm. so many of the players that are with the Charlotte Checkers, I mean, maybe not all of them, but there's a number of them who consider, are considered to be future Hurricanes. So uh, there is a culture that is building there as well. Well, you have to have that. You have to have that expectation throughout your organization. And it's obvious that not every one of those players will play in the NHL someday, but at least, you know, understanding that there are standards throughout your group. And even the ECHL affiliate did a great job reaching the Mm -hmm. final four. So you have to look long and hard to see when an organization has three of its affiliates in conference finals, respectively. And that's what happened this year, which was great for the Hurricanes group. And when you look at recent history and you look at teams who are trending upward now, the Torontos, Columbuses, Dallas, um, these are teams that have had American Hockey League success. They can all now win it. In Toronto's case, they did last year. Mm-hmm. And the Charlotte Checkers just knocked them out of the playoffs. But um, you need to see that. You need to see uh, success in the American Hockey League because it just shows that you have the ability to bring some of those players up, obviously. But also, you have assets to move and that other mm-hmm. teams would be interested in acquiring that could help your team for the now. And finally, I think the Hurricanes are getting into that now group and uh, and the relevant group and you would hope that it's an annual thing now they can be in the playoffs and with the expectation of how far they go that has been the goal uh hopefully they've reached that benchmark as a group and i think minor league um success and 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 minor league progress is is vitally important to achieving all that all right let's get to a couple of these players who um have played very well not only throughout the regular season but in the postseason as well Alex Nedeljkovic, the goaltender uh who we saw once in a uh, I thought a very good performance at Vancouver right before the all-star break in the middle of our season here 
but has been dynamite now two years in a row, has been one of the best goaltenders in the AHL. And I think he even took a different, a further step forward this year as those secondary numbers. It wasn't just wins, uh, but it was the goals against average and the save mm-hmm. percentage that also yeah. took a step forward. What have we seen from his development? And do we expect him to at least be part of the mix a year from now? I do. That'd be my opinion. I was a little bit shocked, but then when I thought about it, not. When at the end of the year press conference, you know, Don Waddell mentioned that, you know, their the Hurricanes' plan would be to move forward with the, with Peter Morozik and Curtis McElhinney, mm-hmm. bring both players back if they could, which obviously puts Nedeljkovic on the outside looking in. Now, you know, he's 24, going on 24, uh, plenty of years professional. My opinion was he's done enough. Uh, he's done enough at that level. If they win the Calder Cup, what else is there? Right. He's the goalie of the year in the American Hockey League. He has set franchise records for wins. Uh, you're right. Goals against and save percentage trended upward this year, which was great uh, because he's, for the last two years, to be fair, he's been in back of a really good team. And sometimes that can cloud your evaluation of a goalie uh, because he racks up the wins. Right. And sometimes you, you'll find a great goalie on a really bad team. And you'll see a goalie that's, you know, maybe sub 900. And you'd say, wow, those aren't very attractive numbers, but it's volume of shots, scoring chances. You got to get to the eye test to see what that's all about. But with Nadelkovic, I think he's made remarkable progress. He's grown. He, he's mentally stronger. Uh, the feedback I get from Mike Felucci and, and the people that watch him on a regular basis is that, yes, he is hitting all those um, uh, levels that he needs to to get an opportunity to be a number two. I guess what the Hurricanes have to ask themselves as a management group is the following, you know, is Alex Nedeljkovic uh, a one in the National Hockey League? Do they view him as a true starter uh, someday? And if so, then maybe that gets into what they have to get through if they can get Morozik and McElhaney both signed and leave him in the American League. Now, remember, Nedeljkovic, Adam, is an RFA, too. Right. So he needs to be he needs to be signed again. And, you know, with restrictions, obviously. But he's a player that needs to get signed. So you keep him in Charlotte and have another year at it. Now, a lot of people will look at what Jordan Binnington's doing with the St. Louis Blues, and they'll say, geez, his time came at the age of 25. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that's true and some of it's not. Binnington it, it was an accident at first to get to St. Louis. This was not right. the plan. It just worked out famously for the kid. Good for him. Um, but in Ned's case, I think it's a, if I were Alex and Elkovich, if I were his parents, if I were his representation, I'd be like, his time is now. Right. And, and, and I think he's earned that. So at worst, he comes in with a chance to earn a job in training camp. But if, if the two incumbents come back, you know, he's the third guy. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, the Hurricanes obviously have to get down into a negotiation road with the two goalies. I think that's why they said the, the plan was to bring both back. It might be, but it also might be that they need to open up negotiations with both goalies to see what they're talking about money-wise before they make their decisions near the end of June. So uh, it's kind of a cloudy situation, but I think the, the goalie in, in Charlotte has done everything he can to, to prove mm-hmm. that he can play in the National Hockey League, including his first win this year, which was very impressive in Vancouver. Yeah, I remember I remember the uh, the game. He was great. He allowed a couple, of, I guess they were power play goals. It really weren't his mm-hmm. fault. Uh, and then he was fantastic the rest of the way as Carolina kind of stretched out a lead over the Vancouver Canucks. Um, look, he's, uh, he's done everything. Uh, and we all know that the best laid plans don't always work out. Let's get to a couple of other players 
Uh, Jake Bean had a really good rookie season uh, for the Checkers. Uh, we didn't. We saw him a couple of games here. He was fine. He didn't. Uh, there was nothing. Uh, nothing great. Nothing bad. Because he didn't play very much. Uh, but Jake Bean, the reports on him was that he really took a step forward in his all-around game uh, for the Checkers. I mean, is it reasonable to think that he's part of the mix, knowing that there are some injuries to the Hurricanes' blue line going at least at the beginning of the season? Oh, he's a, a big-time part of the mix. There's no question as to whether or not he can do it. So, um, yes, he's been a player that uh, has been knocking on the door. He did do an excellent job in his rookie year statistically. Uh, the reports were good. It's hard for me to comment. I, right. I have yet to see him play in the American Hockey League. Did see him play, obviously, the two games in the NHL, and he was a long ways off in those two games. So he, he's going to uh, come in to training camp with every opportunity to be one of six, not one of seven or one of eight, one of six defensemen. Right. Because of those injuries to Calvin DeHaan and the, re- the rehab for Trevor Van Riemsdyk, uh, but it, it's up to him, and it, it's really going to be up to him, I think, to get a little bit stronger in the summer, uh, just mm-hmm. looking at him and watching him, um, and albeit in, in, in uh, you know, training skates, bag skates, whatever you want to call what they put the players that are not playing in the playoffs through. Um, it appears to me watching them, and I watch some of those workouts with Jeff Daniels closely, and he still needs to work on his strengths. And there's still some things that you look at. And sometimes you can see a player uh, just working out on the ice by himself or with three or four other guys. You can say, wow, there, there's there's something there. Look forward to next year. There will be because he's a first-round pick. Um, I was kind of surprised that he hung around as long as he did in the past training camp. But this year, I think he would be penciled in. He'd be penciled in to be an NHL player. Um, so we'll just have to see. Um, you know, it, it is his time. Um, the, the fact that he's young really doesn't matter. The the guy drafted directly behind him one pick later is currently a top two defenseman of the Boston Bruins and Charlie McAvoy. <laughs> so uh, this is it. This is Jake Bean's time to prove he can play in the NHL, and that's what I would expect. All right, real real quick, another defenseman before I ask you about a couple of forwards, and then we'll move on to the NHL roster. Uh, Jesper Selgren is a was a sixth-round pick, couple, I think, this past year. Uh, played over in Sweden, signed to a professional tryout for the AHL, just signed his entry-level deal to uh, to join the Checkers. Who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, but they certainly like his development. He had a good year. He's considered a two-way defenseman. Uh, he's not big. He's he's under six foot. Uh, but we already see Tory Krug has played very effectively at the NHL, under six feet tall. Uh, do, is, is this also a possibility for Carolina? Yeah, I, I think it's a distinct possibility. And, and I think, to be fair to him, you would hope that he would play and start with Charlotte and, and, you know, hone his skills in the pro level over North America and slowly get to it. Um, I think the injury situation on defense kind of opens up a door for just about anybody to at least, you know, make an impression in training camp. Um, you know, he's behind a kid like Jake Dean, behind Hayden Fleury, um, you know, behind other players who have been playing with Charlotte. Um, but the Hurricanes management is very high on this player. I heard his name during the playoff run as a possibility to join the Hurricanes um, <laughs> as an extra guy. If Bean had to go back and play, if they, they were they're missing that element to continue to move forward in the American Hockey League, um, but they had enough depth to get through some really good players that would help you know the checkers mm-hmm. get through what they needed to. Um, but I heard this Selgren's name. I heard his name during the playoffs. So 
that's very unusual. So he must have done a remarkable job in Europe. Um, I, I, he scored a beautiful goal for the Checkers yep. uh, almost immediately on impact, uh, joining the team in the playoffs. Uh, so I think he has a bright future. And if so, what a find as a sixth-round pick, <laughs> uh, kind of a diamond in the rough. But there's a lot of people in hockey in general outside the Hurricanes organization who speak highly of this player in terms of uh, you know his ability, like he, the comparisons you made to play today's game. All right, so Morgan Geeky's had a very big postseason. He was kind of in and out. He played pretty much all year as a rookie for the Checkers, but has really stepped it up. Uh, scored the goal that eliminated the Toronto Marlies on a, a nice little net drive uh, where he poked it in. He's a rangy kid, a third-round pick a couple of years ago. Uh, is this somebody that, I mean, is going to figure into Carolina's plans or is is at least a major asset? Well, I think he's a major asset. I think he's probably going to figure in the plans a little bit, too. He did last year. I mean, he had a really good training camp and was, uh, you know, hanging around the outskirts and, and noticeable, noticeable in workouts, noticeable when they put him on power play units, not out of place with NHL players. That was last September. Right. So after all of this, I would expect him and the playoff run to have all of the confidence needed to build his strength in the summer and come back and just show a little bit more strength on the puck. I think he, he displayed all kinds of puck skills. Uh, you and I were uh, marveling at him in training camp yeah. at some of the workouts, right? So mm-hmm. I think you can see it. It's just a matter of uh, you know man strength coming around for this guy. He's a little slight and uh, a little underdeveloped, and they all get to it differently, right? Andre Sveshnikov mm-hmm. is probably the most physically <laughs> developed 19-year-old I've ever seen right. in the National Hockey League. It's kind of a, a genetic freak, I would think. Uh, Geeky's kind of along the line of a, a young player who you would expect to be you know, that age and, and still not at the full level of physical maturity yet. So that's got to kick in along with his hard work, but he certainly has the talent. He had a wonderful year, and uh, if you have a knack to, to uh, do something with the puck, score goals, make plays, there'll be room for you. Yeah, Martin Natchez didn't necessarily have a great year. He's, he, he had, like, fits and starts. He was great. He was, he was kind of invisible. He was great again. Um, and he's, he's shown flashes, though, and he has the one thing that this team has desperately needed. Uh, he's got a great shot, uh, and it's a right-handed shot, which I don't think we can overlook. No, and I think he'll come back not as a wide-eyed, uh, happy-go-lucky, kid um because he's a great individual i think he's going to come back a little angry and i would hope he would and and play and add that to his toolbox add anger uh determination maybe anger is a bad word but determination to make a team not be on a team and i think it wasn't his fault um let's face facts he was put on the team last summer Mm -hmm. and uh they wouldn't have his face on press credentials and marketing things if that were not the case so both of those players, Svechnikov and Natchez, were expected and were put on the team before they actually, quote-unquote, earned it. And the great thing about Rod Brindamore is he got to the earned it thing this year with the Hurricanes. So now Marty Natchez will come in still as a really young player who might need another season in the American Hockey League, and that's good. But as a, as a kid who understands he has to earn a spot with the men, and that would be, for me, the difference maker. Now, I've talked to a lot of scouts um, around the league about him, and it isn't. You're right; it's a mixed bag now, which that wasn't the case last summer. So you know, now he was measured against hardened pros in the American Hockey League, which is a really good league. They get a different read. So 
he's coming back not as the same dynamic mm-hmm. can't miss. He's coming back as maybe dynamic, good to have in the organization, might need a little bit more. But if he does the proper things in the summer to put himself in that spot, it might all come together. And then the Kings will have a, a really good player ready to play, which is important now. All right, John Forsen, let's talk about some uh, some off-season priorities for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, and I've ranked these in order of importance. The first one is the most important thing the Hurricanes will have to do in the offseason, uh, and that is bringing back the uh, the broadcaster, John Forsland. <laughs> Don't, why are you laughing at that? I'm laughing at that. I'm, <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Um, we got about a month to go as we do this. Right. And I just hope it works out for for everyone and I expect it to, but I really don't know. I haven't had any conversations with anybody regarding this. Um, I know that Don alluded to a conversation in a meeting that occurred Mm -hmm. in Boston between uh, Peter Cooney who represents me and, uh, and, and Don, it was a lot of things were just talked about in general terms, nothing, you know, real specific. So my hope is that again, we, uh, put this to bed. You know me. My uh, my heart's here. My passion's here. It always has been. And there's uh, plenty more to be done in the market here. So I appreciate you saying that. I'm uh, not covering the team if you're not here, John Forz and Sets. Uh, maybe maybe this was my own personal list of priorities. Uh, but I uh, hope everything works out with you and uh, and Trip and the broadcast uh, because Thanks. we uh, we need you on the radio uh, as well. Second, and I believe a distant second to your uh, return, uh, is a contract for Sebastian Ajo. What impact does the last 14 games of the regular season and a postseason that was good, but certainly not great, what does that have on the overall uh, contract as it looks going forward? Zero. For me, zero. I mean, I know that when they get to negotiating this, it, that's going to come up and that's going to be used to kind of frame whatever argument they may have if his representative is outlandish with a demand. Um, but I think the market will take care of this. I think, um, you know, there, there's a lot of guys here. Nico Rantanen's one, Mitch Marner's one. You know, they're all in the same boat here. They're coming out of entry-level deals mm-hmm. and they're star players. So when you look at it, that way, I think you have to look at a entirely different picture than you do with even table chair vining. You are looking at a huge piece of your franchise, a huge piece of your future, and you want to make sure that you you wrap it up and you you put it you put it to bed long term. Uh, to me, that's the only way you deal with players like this. Um, you know, the Maple Leafs were in a little bit of a different spot and still are because of the amount of players they have, you know, like this, uh, Carolina is not Carolina has one player like this of that age with that potential that had 83 points that has steady growth. If you compare his numbers to Mitch Marner, just to take one player and compare him against the other, uh, the numbers are, are very close, almost identical between the two players. And, and in Marner's case, he's, third or fourth in line on that team uh, with the Hurricanes, it's, it's Ajo. Right. And was he hurt at the end of the season? Only he knows that. Only the team knows that. 
And sometimes even the team doesn't know what the player's going through. Um, and I thought as the playoffs went, around, uh, went along, it was a learning process for him. Um, but let's be realistic about this. He's a marked man. He's going to be uh, game-planned against right. and checked and blanketed and, and all kinds of things under playoff conditions. And he wouldn't be the first star guy to go into the woodwork. And I don't think he was. I think he was, uh, like you, you articulated it perfectly, he, he was a good player. He wasn't an excellent player every game. There were moments where he was excellent. Uh, but he was part of the reason the Hurricanes reached the conference final, a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I see that they have to get to a really good number for him to prove that, you know, there's a, there's a big-time care factor. Uh, otherwise, if you go down a road, which is their right, uh, they, they being the management in terms of him being a restricted free agent, they can play the game if they want to. But I would not. I heard some things at the end of the year about you know, don't worry if it's August or or September. Um, I would worry if I were a fan. I would worry about that because where's that headed? Because all right. of a sudden, if you get to the calendar, the calendar becomes the leverage for the player. And if you want to get into a William Nylander situation <laughs> with this guy, that's going to be way different because you're taking Aho away from this team. Nylander was just a piece of the Maple Leafs. Right. So let's hope it doesn't get there. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean. There's enough rumors out there that this is going to be an offer sheet summer, and Correct. you don't want somebody to offer sheet Sebastian Ajo. Uh, and if I had to guess, if I was going to point to a uh, a candidate to throw an offer sheet at a player, it would be somebody that does not uh, have any interest in the the normal societal hockey norms, and that's Tom Dundon. I can see this organization throwing an offer sheet at a player. You better have your ducks in a row before something like that happens. Well, there's no question that's going to happen because the whispers are out there. And for many years, there was never any talk about offer sheets. Um, far be it for me to say there was any kind of collusion. We know that's a, that's a <laughs> tough word to prove Easy. in today's society, <laughs> right? But I think uh, going back to uh, the early years of all of this, when, when uh, the then owner of the Canes, Peter Carmanis, uh, threw one out on Sergei Fedorov back in the late 90s, um, there have been very few. There have been very few of these. Uh, but it is an option. And I think now with uh, maybe one year to go before they get to a labor situation, uh, depending on which way it goes in September for both sides, um, it, there seems to be a tremendous amount of talk about offer sheets, not only for big guys, but I've heard it with uh, secondary guys who are RFAs like a Kasperi Kapanen yeah. or with the Maple Leafs, Andreas Janssen. Uh, these contracts are not going to be huge. They're going to be significant, but they could get offered. Oh, sure. If they get offered by another team, you know, you could have a very interesting summer. And I agree with you. I think there's unconventional ownership now, and I don't think Tom's uh, the only one. I think it's changing. I think that's changing in all of sports. And um, the old boy network seems to be going away here where they all get in the same uh, um, effort together. I think this is uh, owners who come in, want to make good on their investment, um, and sometimes at the expense of others within their group. And I can see that happening. All right, a couple of quick things before we uh, before we wrap this up with John Forslund, the voice of the Hurricanes, until I say so. Um, <laughs> Justin Williams had a wonderful year in every w- measurable way. Uh, obviously, the production on the ice, the power play goals, he was the team leader in that. Uh, the third period goals, he was the team leader in that. Uh, the leadership, obviously, is it goes without saying. 
there seems to be, well, we think he'll come back. Do you have a gut feeling on Willie? I don't because, and you're in the same boat as me, um, we're lucky enough to know him. So if we, if you know Justin Williams, you know his family, uh, my mom and dad, and everybody connected to him, um, that part of life means an awful lot to him. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's going to make a value judgment on what he wants to do. And I will never forget uh, the great Matt Sundin when he retired. And they, they asked Matt Sundin at the time, you know, couldn't you just do it one more year? You know, what, what happened here? And he said, I had to decide if I wanted to go through the preparation of playing, not just playing. Mm-hmm. He said, if it was up to me, I could play again. And I could, I'd love to play the games. But it's the preparation I have to go through to play in the off season and in season that I fi- that he, he said, I finally made a decision. I couldn't do that. And so Justin's going to have to think long and hard about what he wants to do with regard to his family, where they're at, um, what he wants to do with his life. If playing a year, maybe two more years is, is, is going to actually be something that he wants to go through. Zidane um, Chara continues to move along at mm-hmm. the age of 42 <laughs> year by year. Uh, he's made that decision. Uh, he's a remarkable athlete because of the amount of preparation he goes through to get his body to play at the level it's playing at. Same thing for Williams. Um, they don't just show up in September, get out of the truck, and put the skates on. Um, this is going to take a lot of time and maybe more time as they get older to do more things to be ready to play. And so um, you know, he's earned the opportunity to stay at home as long as he wants and talk to his wife and everybody around him to decide, and his children, if he wants to do that. That's first things first. And then if he makes the call, then he can decide what he wants, and then it'll be up to the team to make the value judgment. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my own my own feeling is that he's doesn't want to do anything rash, but right. he's still good. <laughs> he's still really good. Uh, and I think he really relished... Uh, the role and the relationship he had not only with Rod uh, Brenda Moore, but also the young players on the team. And speak, speaking of that, and we'll close on this. We all know that the team needs to get better because at the end of the the end of the day against against Boston, it was obvious that there was a gap in terms of overall. Uh, talent in terms of goal scoring ability between the Bruins. That's where why the Bruins are playing for the Stanley Cup, uh, and why the Hurricanes just couldn't quite get over the hump. We talked about Aho being the marked man, whereas Boston has m- you know more than one option in terms of taking games over, even though they have only one maybe elite line. Uh, with all of that said, what balance do you have to kind of run with the way this team played? With an increased level of skill, because it's hard. There, they whether whether it's Fogel or Martinuk, who obviously was hurt by the end of the year, or Maka, uh, uh, Manalainen or McGinn, McKeg. Uh, there was a grinder factor that was that permeated throughout the entire lineup. How do you balance both? How do you keep that, but also increase the skill level and the goal scoring ability? So you're not caught in a situation where your power play uh, is non-existent uh, and you can only get scoring from one spot. Yeah, you know, I, I think when you look at this, it, it'll be very interesting because, if, if, first of all, if you, the question would be, you know, what are the needs going into the next season based on what happens? So first, and for me, it's this. Number one, 
who's the goalie or who are right. the goalies. So those are the that's the first question. And um, you know, this team does not get to the level it got to without the two goalies. So uh, whatever solution they come up with, um, same deal. One of the two, new guy, uh, uh, American Hockey League number two situation, whatever they get to, that's, for me, priority one. Priority two would be to understand, in, in certain cases, you know, I thought they were outplayed third and fourth lines by Boston. Right? Yeah. So Boston brought, and, and still is in this round against uh, against St. Louis, it's going to be a big deal, um, you know, kids like uh, Corrali and Coyle and Marcus Johansson, you know, they were able to get – some real production and thump from those players in those roles. I think the Hurricanes can upgrade a little bit that way, and it might not be that difficult to do. Um, and For instance, we saw how Martinook's addition to the team, what a difference that made. They might right. need another guy like that from the outside, um, or uh, you know, keeping some of the bigger guys like Manalenin, who I think can grind in the fourth line, make a difference. McGinn can make a difference in the, in the bottom six, no matter where he plays. You move forward with that. But I think in two players' cases, they're going to have to determine whether Warren Fogel and Lucas Walmark are better than where they sit right now. Um, and in Fogel's case, you know, you can look at him. Does he have the potential to be a top six forward someday? And if that's the case, then, you know, how do you bump him up in the order and expect more production out of him? He would be a guy that I don't think could just slug it out in the fourth line. He probably has more to give that way in mm-hmm. terms of production. Walmart, is he, not, is he a three center? And if he's not, I'm not sure he's an ideal four center. So, you know, McKegg, who still needs to be signed, would be your ideal fourth-line center, but I think you can go out and find a guy that can do that. Right. But finding a real good three in the NHL is difficult. Who is that moving forward for the Hurricanes? And if they need to add a real, real good finisher in the top six that can, that can uh, you know, augment the power play and make it better, do they have to relinquish something from a strength, which would be from defense, in order to do that? So those are the things I think you're looking at. Um, taking into account that Svechnikov comes back and is, is in the top six role, I would expect that. Um, you know, Fogel continue to uh, uh, improve at this level and all of that. Um, and then you start answering some of the other questions because, you know, uh, Aho comes back year two as a center. If he signed and he comes back, um, you know, with the improvement that he shows, Jordan Stahl's a year older. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at some point that's going to become an issue. It wasn't really this year. Maybe at times it was, but certainly not down the stretch and throughout the playoffs. But that's a small sample size based on a fresh 82 and an older guy and, you know, what he's going to be realistically able to do. So um, some of the guys that are here will have to make a big jump for the team to be better next year. And then there's going to be all kinds of intriguing things happening away from uh, uh, the ice in terms of personnel decisions to put the Canes in a better spot to make good on where they finished. Not the least of which is uh, more John Forsland on uh, Fox Sports Carolina's N99.9 The Fan. Uh, as a Just to wrap up the Jordan Stahl thing, as a Red Sox fan, you, you remember when Pedro Martinez would take his uh, August DL stint and how he always came back better from that. Right. A little fresher, maybe that was the case with Jordan. Nobody wants to miss 30-some-odd games in the middle of the no. season. But Stahl had a freshness and a bounce about him when he did come back that maybe those extra 30-some-odd games would have kind of gotten in the way of and maybe dinged him up. Uh, he was a dynamite player the last uh, few months of the year. He was, but I would think in the next season you have to lighten the load. So 
he, him playing over 20 minutes every game, taking every face-off imaginable in all three zones. I mean, that's got to change. So Aho needs to be a better player, you know, coming back. And, again, I get to that three-hole. Who is the real three-center? And if Lucas Walmart gets a little bit stronger and can come back and show improvement, which you hate to shut the door on him because he's a, he's a fabulous uh, player and he's a, he's, a, he's a great person and he wants to be better, but he would be a guy that would have to right. uh, pick up the slack. Um, so that you know Jordan Stahl doesn't have to have all of that responsibility because because if he's injury free, um, you're right, Adam. He he he'll wear down, right. utilized in the same capacity, in my opinion. Yeah, especially since uh, his head coach loves him, yeah. <laughs> some Jordan Stahl. All right, uh, back to the pool for you. We'll watch the uh, the Stanley Cup yeah. Finals and uh, we'll talk hockey very soon, sir. Thanks so much. Pleasure. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes Radio Flagship, 99.9 The Fan.